Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Welcome to Mind, Body, and Business, a podcast that explores topics, perspectives, and actionable insights for a strong mind and healthy body, along with empowering conversations to help you handle your business. I am Maria Moore, your host, and in this episode, I'm welcoming special guest, Victoria Michael, entrepreneur and former celebrity chef. She has transformed her mastery of baking vegan confections into creating a suite of services that optimize business health. From startups to established organizations, she helps companies improve their systems for sustainable success. Victoria will be sharing her inspiring journey and ways we can improve our life systems as well. Now, Victoria, I've had a chance to check you out and you do such amazing work. I am so proud of you already and I can't wait to hear your contributions to this conversation. Welcome to the Mind, Body and Business podcast. Well, thank you. I appreciate you saying that. I um, I was telling Jahi that I added the podcast to my morning routine. So I get up pretty early for the gym and I'm back on the way home at, at about 630. So I've added the podcast in between my, you know, 630, 7 a.m. commute. And it has provided so much value to my life. And I really appreciate the positive message that you're sending out and just the different holistic elements of what it means to be well, because it's not just what you eat or just working out or just having a successful business or just looking cute on the internet, you know, yeah. it's really uh, a holistic picture. And it's hard to find the information that's true for you and relevant, you know, to, to your lifestyle. And so I really do appreciate just the words that you share and, and the the way that you bring resources to one place. It's really valuable. Thank you so much. That means a lot to me. Let's jump into this. Your bio, serial entrepreneur and former celebrity chef. Now, the term serial entrepreneur, I think is so loosely used <laughs> across yeah. the, the uh, internet, especially on social media, but you really are a serial entrepreneur. Yeah, and you pivoted from actually doing the work hands-on, being a, sh- a celebrity chef to now consulting and helping other businesses grow. Tell me about your journey, you starting as a celebrity chef and what made you want to make that shift to helping mm-hmm. other people in their businesses. I'll tell you, my grandma's been going through storage and she found this um, art deco journal that I would uh, right in when I was in high school. And my very first job ever, I was the assistant to a fashion designer. And the first company that I thought I was going to start was Michael Moda, which was going to be this, you know, fashion. Yes. <laughs> and I ended up not going that route. Um, I'm the eldest of seven children. And I grew up with not a lot of resources. One of the resources that, you know, we did have was food stamps. And Mm. so one of the things that I could provide for my family was a good meal. And that's kind of where my interest came from, you know, with um, cooking. And my mom was very um, open to, um, you know, providing different ingredients for me to experiment and always set up for me. And I stopped eating meat when I was in ninth grade. And that kind of what what kicked off my, you know, holistic health journey is, you know, I 
observed some facts very early on that, you know, I decided didn't suit me. And I decided at 14 that I was going to begin my plant-based journey. And so all throughout high school, I, I worked in, you know, hospitality. I, my first, um, my first, uh, or my next first job, I guess my first W2 job was actually at a confectionery and I would, um, uh, make candy apples and scoop ice cream. But anyways, <laughs> I ended up going to Le Cordon Bleu in Pasadena and I went to pursue life as a chef. I studied patisserie mm -hmm. arts. I do want to back up just a little bit though. When I yeah, graduated high school, <laughs> I remember we had three choices and we had to stand up. We either had, I don't remember what the third choice was specifically, but you, if you were standing up, um, you would stand up if you were going to go to college or if you were going to go to the military. And there was one other choice, but I was the only one who stayed seated because I knew that I wanted to be a business owner. I thought that I wanted to own a bakery and that's what ended me up at Le Cordon Bleu. But throughout my years in the hospitality sector, I worked as a corporate trainer for the Del Frisco's brand and I was traveling the country, opening restaurants and training staff and I really enjoyed it. I went on to be an executive pastry chef at Yamashiro in Hollywood. Um, wow. Susie Cakes for a little while. And then my last position was as a chef in the Staples Center. So it was a huge position. I had 115 employees and I wasn't cooking anymore by this point in my career. I was just managing and I really enjoyed it. The uh, pandemic happened, however, and I'm sure a lot of people um, may have observed that the hospitality sector really got rocked. Oh, yeah. People couldn't go into work. And so at that time, I was living in Los Angeles. I was ending a long-term relationship and the world was a little bit falling apart. So I um, reached out to my dad and I came to Illinois where I am now. And I've been here ever since the pandemic. But during that time, I experienced a lot of identity crisis because yeah. for as long as I can remember from... 14 to 25, you know, my identity has been shaped around being a chef and everything that goes along with that. And I was at a point where because of what was going on in the world, I could not be who I always have been. It was confusing. It was, um, I cried a lot, but I was open to unique opportunities. The first of yeah. which I got invited to be the COO of a nonprofit organization and we designed a program that not only provided retroactive scholarships, but provided them with financial literacy as well as mm. you know career mentoring resources. And that was wonderful. It was the first time I had ever done anything like that. But as the COO, I was responsible for preparing the some of the marketing materials and working closely with the marketing and social media team. I was responsible for preparing budgets and making sure that all the receipts were getting sent to our fiscal sponsor and that all of the financials were in line, designing um, fundraising. It was my first time at it, but I really enjoyed it. One of our advisory members owned a strategic advisory firm that was working on private equity and venture capital deals within the entertainment, media, and sports space. And he mm -hmm. saw what I was doing with the nonprofit organization. It was like, yo, V, I need you. And I'm like, <laughs> sir, I don't know the difference between a stock and a bond. I don't know really what I could be doing to help you because I don't know anything about finance. Mm -hmm. And again, I just had kind of an open-mindedness to unique opportunities. I resigned from the nonprofit. So at that point, I looked at kind of what was there. There was a soft offer from an insurance company for a, a $10 million investment post 
first deal closing. Mm -hmm. And that's not very concrete. You know, that's not very much to work with, but I was like, you know what, this is an opportunity for me to learn the way that money moves through the world. Mm -hmm. And I went for it as someone who grew up in kind of dire straits sort of circumstances and experienced housing insecurity and financial insecurity growing up. This was an amazing opportunity for me to learn something that I otherwise would not have been exposed to. Learning as I went along, working in alternative investments, and I don't know if anybody listening knows anything about finance, but alternative mm-hmm. investments is something so abstract and kind of... It sounds like it. <laughs> yeah, from yeah. the basics. And mm-hmm. so it was a huge learning curve. I didn't have any background knowledge. I experienced a lot of opposition from people who were older than me and more experienced because there's a sort of pedigree that goes along with working in this industry. I had none of it. I didn't have the experience. I didn't have the background. I didn't have the family. I didn't have the money. Mm -hmm. But what I did have was the ability to research and figure out ways to find out how I needed to do what I needed to do. It was fantastic. I ended up resigning from that company because I wanted to go back to the basics. And then I spent six months last year studying for a securities license. And I studied for six months. I took and passed it on my first try. And then I went about um, applying to firms. So in addition to my consulting company, I also work a nine to five. I work on the operations team of a registered investment advisory firm. And in my five to nine, I'm operating my company. There's so many things that I took from that little mini journey, because for me, I, I feel like you're just getting started, girl. You about to be a beast. I was like, okay. <laughs> only 30 minutes. No, we need at least. <laughs> Man, that was amazing. You know, I really, uh, throughout you speaking about that, it seems like through all of those experiences, you were just really in the moment. I love that you were willing to try something different. Mm-hmm. And you talked about how the pandemic affected you not only professionally, but also personally. I think identity crisis is huge for a lot of people. I mean, that's something that I experienced, you know, leaving a full-time job and I left on a really high note, but I just didn't have that personal fulfillment. It was really strange because so many people knew me as Maria Moore, from, you know, the midday show. And it's almost like, well, who am I? Because, you know, when you introduce yourself or you're meeting someone new, what's the first thing you ask? What do you do? (laughs) Is one of the first questions. Yeah. If you don't know what you do at the moment, it's like, I don't know who I am. Right, right, right. Exactly. And I also love that you were committed to learning all of the aspects of the organization, I mean, the totality of it. One thing that helped me in my business is knowing how all the aspects of my business work so that when I delegated tasks, I knew what I wanted and I had a certain set of expectations. How did doing all of those things and really being inside of every aspect of the business help you both personally and professionally? Tremendously. I think that it takes a lot of focus and diligence and I guess willingness to do tedious tasks to go about things as granularly as I do, but I'm just the type of person that if I don't know something, I'm going to take the time to research it and understand it at, at a base level so that, you know, if I you know, want to understand it just for the understanding sake, or if I'm, you know, wanting to um, employ this knowledge in a professional uh, pursuit, you know, I want to sound educated. I want to be credible. It 
definitely wasn't my strong suit at the time when I was doing it though. So I think what had to happen is I had to train my mind to have the will. And I don't know what, what comes up inside of you when you go from lazy to disciplined, Mm -hmm. but whatever that switches, um, it it switched on for me by going through that process. I think that a lot of people, they don't really understand the internal work that has to happen for external goals, like professional goals. Um, I'll tell you, I'll tell you. Uh The, The most valuable advice that I've ever stumbled upon is to make decisions that align with your values. And at the time that the pandemic is happening, I I told you I was ending a long-term relationship and I'm just like very confused about, you're going to be very confused about your direction if you don't know your values, because Mm -hmm. when you make decisions and set your goals around your values, it's very easy for you to make decisions when you are, you know, given some information. So this is my agenda. I got it from Amazon. It's great. It's by Clever Fox. It's um, the appointment times, but ways that you can keep up with goals. And on the back here is my values that I wrote. Oh, that's awesome. So During you can look start. at it. Yeah. Uh-huh. And some goals, um, career goals, net worth goals, real estate goals, passive income, dream car, family relationship. I wrote it all down. And I don't know if you can see it here, but under career, it says finance operations and SIE. So I'm, you know, going through and crossing these things off, but keep your goals close, be aware of your values and set your goals and base your decisions off of your values. And it really makes things pretty simple. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. One of the first exercises that my therapist did with me was to help me identify my values. She said that exact thing that you just said. It was, it created the foundation for all of our sessions Has therapy helped you? Mm -hmm. I have gone to therapy before. I will say transparently speaking, cost has been a barrier at Mm -hmm. certain points in my life. And that's something that people don't really talk about. Mm -hmm. So there are some resources that I've stumbled upon, books specifically. And I think that's another thing that people miss out on is books. There's so much valuable information in books. But you have to be willing to read it. If you're not, then you're just going to be a duck who doesn't have the information. And that's Mm -hmm. who I was for a long while. But there's a book called Boundaries um, that's really good. I just recently, um, it's funny you asked that, God, it didn't start with you. The body remembers. I think that there's immense value in going to therapy. I haven't been able to invest in it the way that I've wanted to, Mm -hmm. but what I have done in my own research is understand that if you are a person coming from a place of trauma, 
a way that you can begin to bridge the gap from where you are and where you where and how you want to feel is by robust personal development and that means different things to different people but for me that means researching about the neuroscience behind you know trauma and the psychology of it and yeah what does it mean to reconnect with your inner child that means think about what did you think about when you were a kid? What were you interested in? And so for me, for example, I have decided to start reading the Lemony Snicket series of Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't get to finish it. I didn't get mm-hmm. to finish it. Um, family background, as the eldest of seven, I had a lot of responsibility growing up and I'm the eldest child um, after a divorce. And so a lot of you know, people in that position I won't say a lot. It can happen that the eldest child after a divorce can becomes a second parent, pretty much. Yeah. Yes. And depending on the dynamic with the parent, it can be complicated and cause trauma or just, you know, some feeling of constricted because you're not able to move freely like the rest of your peers. And so I've just been gone kind of going through that and um figuring out what I may have done and Mm-hmm. I go dancing, I read books, I go on walks, I do things socially uh, that I that I wasn't able to do, travel, you know, just catering to to your inner- I told you I follow you on Instagram. I see you getting it in, girl. I love it. <laughs> I'm outside, honey. <laughs> you were even like uh you helped organize your your high school reunion recently, didn't you? The class mm-hmm. of 2013. I sure did. I started a Facebook group and um, there were definitely a, a group of people helping me with suggestions, but I pretty much did the whole thing. It was a great <laughs> turnout though. We we had about 60 or 70 people turn out and we all had a blast. We stayed out till 6 a.m. And you're in Atlanta, you know about Waffle House. Oh ma'am. yeah. Oh yes, ma'am. <laughs> I sure do. So we had a good Atlanta night. Well, I'm glad that you brought that up uh, in terms of the books and those being resources as well. You know, um, as someone who later in life, when you talk about affordability, I started getting into therapy like in my 40s. So I understand that completely. But Mm -hmm. the whole idea behind therapy is for you to find the answers for yourself. They help you find the answers. And a lot of times people think that, okay, um, something's wrong with me. I'm off mentally and emotionally. And this person is going to tell me how to fix it. But they really guide you and you figuring it out. So I Mm -hmm. commend you for utilizing, you know, those resources and figuring it out. And I'm also really glad the mama in me is really glad to hear you talk about connecting with your inner child, because as you were going along in your story, you're talking about cooking for your family at such a young age, you know, it kind of made me wonder, man, did you get to have fun? You know, did you get to do all the things? Um, And I'm so glad that you're honoring your inner child and doing that now and understanding the significance of that. Yes, it is. It is very significant. I I will tell you one of the things that I wanted to do was um, gymnastics when I was younger and I did it in kindergarten, but my family wasn't able to afford it past that point. And all I really wanted to do was dance. And Mm -hmm. when I moved to California, I was 19 going on 20 and I was in Pasadena and Pasadena has old town. And it's just like this really nice downtown area. There's a club called Ixtapa and I'm walking my 20 year old self down the road. I can't get in the club. And I (laughs) see people Latin dancing and I was like, oh my God. So I turned 21 in September by October. I am in the club Mm. and 
I just fell in love with salsa dancing. It has been so healing for me to be able to move my body. And I know that's one of the things that that you talk about a lot mm-hmm. on the podcast is just moving your body. I learned that if you are not moving your body, like we are getting so much data from our technology and stimuli from the world and noise pollution and light pollution and air pollution. Like there's just so many stimuli coming at you all the time. And the way that you're able to release is by moving. That's Mm -hmm. working out. That's walking. That's dancing. That's jumping. That's shaking. Yeah. You have to get that energy out of your body. Like if I were having an alternate universe experience, who would I be? It would be a backup dancer on Dancing with the Stars. Yes. Yes. That is me. So let's talk about Michael and Company and the services that you provide. I know that you probably work with a lot of different types of uh, clients. And one thing that's magical about you, Victoria, is that, you know, you just have a certain mindset. You have a certain attitude about how you approach your goals. Not everyone has that. So when they don't have it, I would assume that you would have to try to focus on the practical things that people need to do to achieve their goals. Tell me about your company and the variation of different clients that you work with along with the services you provide. Michael & Co. is an operations management consulting firm and I provide fractional COO services to small businesses. And that's, you know, early stage, just starting to middle market. And these companies are typically looking for one of two things to either grow and scale or they're looking for outside capital. Now, when you are looking to do either one of those two things, there are some key considerations that you need to have in mind. And essentially, you are going to be going out and asking people for resources. And Mm -hmm. so within that ask, you should be submitting some deliverables. What does that mean? You need to write it down. One of the things that I heard growing up is that you cannot be anything that you want to be. You can be anything that you prepare for. Prepare means write it down and take massive action. Prepare Mm -hmm. means write it down and take massive action. If you are going out and asking people for resources and you haven't taken the time to write it down, why would anybody offer you anything? You yeah. haven't even taken the time and the care to write it down. So that is kind of where I operate. I work closely with CEOs and founders to help them identify you know, their gaps and flaws in their systems. It really is not a one size fit all. And you will hear from COOs from all sorts of industries that you kind of are who the CEO needs you to be mm-hmm. and kind of based your your um, duties around the style of business. I offer a few different things in terms of services, risk assessments, as well as other audits. Um, I do brain dump sessions, which is just a time where uh, a founder can sit with me and tell me every single thing that's on their mind. What's mm-hmm. the goals? What's the vision? What's the mission? You know, what do you have in the next three months, six months, 12 months, a year? And taking everything that they tell me and kind of reorganizing it. And I will be able to clearly see where the gaps are in the business plan based on what they tell me or they don't tell me. So business plan is one of the things that you definitely need to have written out What else? Working with a founder's accountant to make sure that their financials are in proper order. Deliverable design, 
doing presentations, reports, um, and then process design. It's super important to write down what you're doing. One of the principles that I learned from the Del Frisco's brand was mm -hmm. to have a BPSOP, and that mm -hmm. stands for Best Practices and Standard Operating Procedures. And when you take the time to write those things down, you ultimately end up buying your time back because that becomes a guide and a training tool for your future employees. So yeah. There's a bunch of different services that I offer. They range from audits to writing corporate literature, um, but really try to focus on making sure that a company's deliverables are not only digestible, but are also appetizing to investors and other individuals that you might be looking for for resources. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yeah, I see you with the creativity in the market. And I saw that in your, I was like, that is so creative. And it ties in your, okay. your chef background. I love it. Listen, I must shout out my publicist and her team, Jay McKee and Co. Um, Asia Williams is a talented writer on that team. And she came up with that key messaging, just tying it I all together. I love it. And let me tell y'all, I got the recipes for business success. <laughs> oh man, she did a great job. I wish I could high five her right now. I want to explore what you were talking about in terms of, you know, identifying gaps and systems and apply that to our personal lives and our own personal development, because I think everything that you said that you do for business, people can apply those concepts to their own lives. Can you give us some examples of how we can identify gaps in our personal systems, how we're operating day to day? Uh, if someone doesn't have a business, but they have goals, whether it's a weight loss goal, it's a professional goal, how can you identify ways to achieve that goal and be more productive? If you think about a goal, you need to then think about a little bit deeper, what is it going to require of me to achieve this goal and make a list. It's gonna require you to get more sports bras so mm -hmm. you don't have to wash your clothes in the middle of the week. And that was me for a while. I didn't have enough yeah. workout clothes. That was a real convenient excuse. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> so go get you some more sports bras or, or whatever it is. Um, it's going to require you to change the time that you get up or reduce the time that you're spending on social media or actually take the time to plan out your week on Sunday, go grocery shopping on certain days, do different mm -hmm. things to set yourself up for success. If you're looking to achieve a goal, consider what the desired outcome is, and then really take the time to think about every single step that it would take for you to achieve that. You know, you want to make measurable progress in a reasonable amount of time. And I would also like to, to mention key performance indicators. Now that's a 
business term, of yeah. course, but you can have key performance indicators. Absolutely. In mm-hmm. A key performance indicator could be the clarity of your skin, the, the bloat of your stomach, you know, any sort of indicator that would let you know that you're either on the right we're on the wrong path. Do you have clients that come to you that are trying to do everything and there's a lot of resistance in terms of hiring? <laughs> like, you're like, oh, did I just trigger you? <laughs> okay, so founders' favorite thing to do is everything and y'all need to relax. You need yeah. to go a little bit. I would say, you know, you know that you need help when you feel like you're beyond your depth, number one. So an example mm-hmm. for me would be accounting. I know how to read financials. I can prepare them, but that I didn't go to school to be an accountant. I don't know all the rules behind the cell. I need the accountant. You know, so if you actually don't have the skill set, you need to hire for it. Um, now, in the beginning, you cannot maybe do all of those things at the outset, but there are definitely, you know, lower cost resources that can get you through. Definitely want to mention Fiverr, Upwork, freelance platforms where you can find, you know, work that needs to be done that you can't do for an affordable price. Um, You might need help if you notice that the quality of your output is decreasing. Mm. So maybe you're getting feedback from a client that is not the best. You're feeling tired. You're getting burnt out. Your staff, if you have staff, is becoming a little disgruntled or you're just noticing different attitudes. And then what was the other thing that I put? Because I did write it down. If you're ready to grow, that's the, mm-hmm. that's the next place. If you're ready to grow, I think, you know, so many business owners and founders are experts at their expertise, yeah. but they're not experts at running businesses. And I think that's unfortunately one of the reasons why so many businesses fail. They just don't know how to do it. Um, but number two, they don't take the time to plan. And I know that's one of the things that you mentioned on a previous episode it's extremely important that you take the time to plan out a business endeavor in as much detail as you can reasonably conceive, because what you're about to do is take a leap of faith that has financial risk, to, mm-hmm. to put it quite plainly. And depending on where you are in your life and kind of um, what's going on with your family, like that's a huge risk to take as yeah. you know someone with children. If you're going to go about taking that kind of risk, you should also go about this having the same level of, of precaution and care and taking the time to write things out. Um, and if it elevates beyond what you know to do, then it's time to ask for help. Have you ever struggled with being in your feelings or maybe there was an interaction with, you know, a manager or someone that you worked for, even inside of your business with a client? How do you manage your emotions inside of what you're doing professionally? If you know that you want to work in an environment that you feel comfortable in, you best check about company culture. Now, if you're already in an environment and it potentially is toxic or you're just experiencing challenges. It really depends on the situation. I would say if you're in a managerial position, there's a really good book called The One Minute Manager that talks Mm -hmm. about how to deal with people. I think that's a good book to read just in general. It can help you with managing children because it talks about when to give reprimands and when to give praise. Mm -hmm. Um, I would also say, Don't be too in your feelings in your professional setting 
anyway. And what I mean by that is I'm a very personable person, but I'm also very private. I don't have my coworkers in my business. I don't, they don't know what I'm doing on the weekend. You know, I would definitely mind my boundaries in professional settings Mm -hmm. um, because they can get blurred, especially depending on how you got there. If you're buddy, buddy with your manager until you do something wrong and then they check you and it's uncomfortable. That's a, that's a totally different type of feeling, you know? So you need to make sure that you know what your boundaries are and you mind them. Mm -hmm. You come across an issue, address it early on. But I think another thing is the way that you carry yourself really affects the way that people receive you and treat you. And it's very obvious that you respect yourself and, you know, that's, I'm not the, I'm the auntie you don't play with. And people know that about me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It just, I don't, That's I don't. good. You set that standard. Yeah. I uh-huh. rarely get tried because mm-hmm. I set that standard up front. Now, if you haven't, and someone's making you feel uncomfortable, the first thing, if it gets elevated to HR, the HR is going to ask you is if you took notes. And if this is a repeated issue and you want to maintain your job, you need to take notes. There are definitely resources if you're in a, you know, a situation where you're being harassed, if it needs mm-hmm. to, to get to that, that you can escalate and, you know, find. Um, if I were to sum it up, know your values, make decisions about your workplace that align with your values, uphold your boundaries in the workplace. And if it does become elevated, make sure that you are going about it in a fact-based matter and that you keep your receipts. Such a wonderful conversation. As we wrap things up, you know, this podcast, you've heard previous episodes were big on actionable insight and with all of your expertise and your personal uh, life experiences, you know, I want to ask you, what are three areas that people can focus on making the most of their time. Um, I really specifically want to know how you manage your day and what advice you can give people for making the most of their day, both personally and professionally. Okay, let's see. There's 24 hours in a day and there's seven days a week. So you have 168 hours in a week. For 40 of that, if you have a nine to five, you're working. So now we're at 128 Let's say you're sleeping for another 40 of that. You've got 88 hours in a week to work with. And Mm. that's something you need to be cognizant of. If you have five hours in the morning, I get up early. So I have five hours before I go to work. Everybody else might not have that. (laughs) But you need to be using your time wisely. Um, So I would say really take a look at what your commitments are first. Mm -hmm. and put it down on a schedule. So I know that I'm going to go to work from nine to five. I know that I'm going to go to church. I try to go to the grocery store on Friday afternoons because I get off work at one. Mm -hmm. On Sundays, I take the time to look at my paper calendar and I'll go through my emails. I will pull out any meetings and write them down on paper, but I will also put them in digitally. I use Calendly as a means to schedule meetings. That definitely helps me on time, just going back and forth, corresponding. Good Lord. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's okay. Um, (laughs) There is ChatGPT. I recently started using ChatGPT and other AI tools, and I will say, don't sleep on it. There's Mm -hmm. definitely a lot of resources 
out in the world right now, tools specifically that can help you optimize your time. And I would also say, you know, just, you can do this with your children, even that that, uh, systems and processes, making sure that you write things down. If you write down for your kids, you know, completing the dishes means doing the dishes, putting them in the dishwasher, starting the dishwasher, wiping the sink down and making sure that there's no crumbs on the counter. And it's not done until all these steps are complete. Your kid now has this and doesn't have to ask you 25 questions and you can focus on something else. Yeah. It's the same thing with employees. And I would say it's important to get an operating manager involved when you are looking to either create or improve your systems and processes, because when you have systems and processes in place, it can go for laundry. It can go for dishes. It can go for when you get your oil changed. It can be for when you send out emails, when you create systems and processes, you're able to buy your time back. Well, you've been so amazing. Victoria, Michael, can you give folks your information? We have a lot of founders that listen to this podcast, a lot of business owners and folks that just want to connect with a really dope chick. So how can people follow you and learn more about your company? So I'm most active on Instagram. All of my socials are Victoria Michael. You can email me at vm at victoriamichael.com if you have any questions. I do have a business plan template that is going to be available through my website. Um, And I also offer discovery hours through my website as well if you're looking to get more information and just kind of figure out ways that I could provide value to you. Thank you for this wonderful conversation. Likewise, I really enjoyed it. Bye.